yeah, who's not able to sleep in no matter what. Yes, yes, creatures of habit, right? Raise your hand if you either forgot we didn't have an early service and showed up or didn't know we had an early service this morning and showed up. There's no shame. One, one, per, two, two people. I hope you got a free cup of coffee and enjoyed hearing the band rehearse this morning. Thanks for being here and holding down the fort early. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. If we haven't met, my name is Char, and I am not Pastor Brad. I am the Family Life Pastor here at Faith, um, and I am here because Brian and I are actually the only two staff people here this morning. Everybody else is up at Covenant Pines Bible Camp for the third annual Faith Covenant Church All-Church Retreat. Um, so we are glad that they're up there and wishing that we were up there, but glad to be here, and I'm glad you all came here this morning, too. We've got a picture. They sent a, a picture. This is proof. This is not last year's picture. This is yesterday's picture, proof that these folks are up there this morning enjoying the great outdoors. I went to camp every summer as a kid up at um, Camp Vermilion on Lake Vermilion in Cook, and we used to say, it's great to be alive in God's great north woods. That was our holler every night, and that's where they are right now, up in God's great north woods, having a wonderful time. Looking forward to hearing all about it when they get back. All right. Well, the month of August has proven to be a refreshing return to the basics for us as a church after a long series on the body. We spent the first two weeks in August talking about kids and youth and what it looks like to be part of God's mission in this world. And then last week, Pastor Brad brought us right to the heart of what it means to be a Christian, or literally Christ one. And that is anyone who confesses with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believes in her heart that God raised him from the dead. Concise, to the point, and utterly life-changing. Today is the final week of summer. Anyone? <laughs> Last week of summer. It's also a back-to-the-basics morning. Today we're going to talk about a book. And not just any book. We're going to talk about the most important book in our faith. In fact, the most important book in all of human history, for that matter. Today we're going to talk about our book, the Bible. So as Ryan mentioned, there are kiddos in the room today. Raise your hands, kids, so I can see you. Kids, me, I heard of me. Yes, I see you. Yes, excellent. All right. So... Kids, before I go any further, I have a few questions for you. So I'm going to ask you three questions because I know that sometimes your answers are way better than the answers that grown-ups give because answers that grown-ups give can be confusing sometimes and complicated. So, kids, holler out the answer to this. What is the Bible? A book, yes. Anything else? The word... The word of God, Jesus is Lord? Is that what I heard? Jesus is words. Excellent. Anybody else? What? I heard one. Parents? All right, I think you covered most of the basics there. All right, question number two, kids. Why is the Bible important? Because it's God's word. Yeah. Perfect. Anybody else? That pretty much sums it up. Nothing more to add to that. And one more question. This one's kind of tricky, kids. What are we supposed to do with the Bible? <laughs> yeah. Woo! Yes. Excellent. <laughs> 
I'm going to sit down now. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Fabulous answers. Kids, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. If you haven't had a chance to spend time in a Sunday school classroom with kids in a while, um, shameless plug for children's ministry. This isn't in my notes, but you know the best way to know that you understand something? It's by teaching it to children. So if you want to make sure that you really understand what God's word is, you can always sign up to help teach our kiddos and guarantee you will learn a lot from them too because they have a lot to offer. So the Bible. We're going to talk about those three questions this morning and maybe a couple others thrown in. Um, but first disclaimer, there might be someone in this room today who's not all in, um, who isn't sure they buy this stuff anyway. Not everyone in the world believes what I'm about to say about the Bible. But Regardless of where you're at, I'm so glad you're here, and I invite you to hang tight. Just know that today's underlying assumption is that the Bible is what it claims to be, the Word of God, and we'll get to that shortly. But before we go any further, let's pray. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, speak to us and through my words. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... Before we address the topic of the day specifically and build on what our kids have already offered, a bit of context. Hopefully most of you know this, but if not, this church is part of a, lo a larger group of churches called a denomination known as the Evangelical Covenant Church in America, the ECC. So central to who we are, the ECC is a non-creedal denomination, which means that while we place a high value on the historic confessions of the Christian faith, particularly the Apostles' Creed, we emphasize the sovereignty of the Word of God over all creedal interpretations. In other words, we base our lives and life and beliefs as a denomination on a simple statement of faith, which reads, The Covenant Church believes in the Holy Scriptures, the Old and New Testament, as the Word of God and the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. That's our statement of faith. This book, the core of everything we do, we believe that it is the Word of God, and we believe that it reveals the Word of God, who is Jesus. So I'd like to read the opening paragraph of a document that's titled, The Evangelical Covenant Church and the Bible. And I have some copies of this this morning available at the information desk for anyone who does not have a computer at home. For those of you who do have a computer, this will be posted on Realm later this week. So this document begins, We are people of the book. That book is the Bible. Central to the life of the Evangelical Covenant Church, the Bible reveals God and God's intent for us and for our world. By it, we discover our identity and mission as individuals and as a church. By it, we are brought to new life in Jesus Christ, life in God's kingdom. The Covenant Church was begun by people who were known as readers because of their deep love for the Bible. By reading the Bible both individually and in corporate worship, they sought to understand it and to allow it to bear fruit in their lives. People of the book. That's who we were at the beginning, and that's who we are reminded to be even today. We are not people of this church or that church. We're not people of a small group or a specific ministry. We are people with a common denominator, an overarching connection with a common language that reaches beyond our differences. We're people that share in common this book, and desire to both know this book and live accordingly. So I've got three books here. This is my study Bible that I use at home. 
And this is the Bible that our denomination gave to me and to Brad and to all other covenant pastors when they're ordained. Three years ago, I received this book. And this book, this one, this is precious. <laughs> this is a book that was brought over by my great-grandparents from Finland. This is our family Bible. It needs to be rebound. I'm very careful with it. This is a treasure. It's full of notes and letters and underlines and comments, and it is absolutely precious. And it needs to be rebound. <laughs> and I'll get to that at some point. So the finished one was read and treasured by my blood relatives in a foreign country across the sea. And these pages, those words that I can't even read, written in a language that I can't speak, formed and shaped the lives of those who in turn have helped form and shape me through the generations. And hopefully that will be the same of each of us someday as well, passing down a well-worn Bible that needs to be rebound, full of notes and lines and comments and cards, a book clearly used daily as a life-giving source. So what is it about this book that's so important? Why isn't it enough to just attend church on Sundays, put our kids in Sunday school and fill our calendars with a whole bunch of church activities and classes? Isn't it enough to come to church on Sundays and listen to the pastor read sections of the book every morning? Well, first things first. Our first question of the day, what is the Bible? So a lot of definitions have been used through the years, things to help us remember in summary form what this book is. So just a few of them. There's an acronym. That's B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Kids, there you go. The Bible. Another way to look at the Bible is God's love letter to us. That's one that I love. Another one is four parts that we read between Genesis and Revelation. Creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. Those are all ways to define this. So before we go any further, though, we have to be perfectly clear. The Bible looks like a book, is a book, but it's not one book. It's actually a book of books, 66 of them to be exact. They were written down over a period of 1,500 to 1,600 years by over 40 authors, beginning with either Genesis or Job, written by Moses around 1,400 B.C., and ending with the book of Revelation, written by John around 90 A.D. Each of these, these authors received direct inspiration from God. Side note, if you're looking for a fascinating study, <laughs> the study of how this book came to be compiled as it is, is a fantastic research. So if you're looking for something to do this year. Each book details various personal encounters and experiences between God and humans, but one source of inspiration, one director of thought, and one intent to reveal God and God's intent for humanity and for the world. 66 books bound together as one with deeper and broader intent than is held by any individual book within. In order to really understand this book then, you have to be familiar with each one of the pieces. And each piece, all 66 of them, as varied as they are, is integral to the whole. This is key. We are to be familiar with all of the book. Why? We read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, because all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
all scripture is inspired and profitable because all scripture is the inspired word of God. These three little words, word of God, form the essence of scripture. What does it mean to say that the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, the Old and New Testament is the word of God? Well, word of God is a rough translation of the Greek word logos. And logos is an interesting word because it's actually more verb than noun. Logos is a doing word. It's an action. And all throughout scripture, we see this come to life. We see God speaking and something being created or happening. Action. We see this from the very first words written in the very beginning of this book of books. Genesis chapter 1, the story of creation. We read seven times, God said, and immediately something came into being. God spoke and creation And in the New Testament, the first words of the Gospel of John were given similar and yet profoundly broader words that shed new light on the word that was present at creation. John 1, verses 1 through 4 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Words present at creation. The word present at creation. God's word creates, and God's word is eternally alive in the person of Jesus Christ. And this truth is not relegated to words in this book. This is present tense, folks. God's word is still in action. It still creates, and it still moves. You see, God's word, the word of God, isn't just words on a page. This book, these words, come alive as we read them. Hebrews 4 tells us, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Living and active. When God's people open this book and read it, seeking understanding, asking questions like, How then shall I live? This word, these words, become life to us. They change us. They move in us. And if we read them looking for change, desiring to align ourselves and our lives with the living word of God, we cannot remain the same. And the world cannot remain the same because we are moved to action. So what is this book? This is the word of God that points and reveals the living word of God, Jesus So our second question of the morning, why is the Bible important? Well, if we believe what we just talked about, that the Bible is the living word of the living God, then it's not much a stretch to see why this book is central to the Christian faith, to our denomination, to this local church, and to each one of us individually. If we are not people of the book, then we are missing out on God's truth and guidance in life. And that's a scary place to be in this day and age. You see, if we're not people of the book, if we live our daily lives while the family Bible collects dust on the bookshelf, then we will be swayed. We will find our lives molded and shaped by the culture around us. One decision at a time, one compromise at a time, one little slip at a time. Friends, we need God's word daily to keep us centered and focused, to remind us who we are and whose we are. We need daily reminders of how to live, how to respond to circumstances and situations, and how to remain faithful in the messes of daily living. 
How many of you remember this acronym? What's that stand for? What would Jesus do? That's pretty familiar, right? It's pretty common. You can find it on bracelets, necklaces, note cards, refrigerator magnets, car decals, everywhere. What would Jesus do? Now, how many of you are familiar with this one? I've shared this one before, years ago, so. Anyone? Just about. How can we know what Jesus would do if we don't know what Jesus did? Chris Anchor. Woo! <laughs> that one is a bit convicting. And to be honest, I mean it to be convicting. I personally come back to this one often because it convicts me too. Do I know Jesus well enough to know pretty confidently what he might do in a given situation, which then affects what I might do in a given situation? My husband said to a young person not long ago, I don't know if Jesus would do that. To which the young person replied, how do you know what Jesus would do? Well, I think he was probably right. <laughs> Based on what I read in the Bible, that Jesus did say and do, how he did treat people, how he did respond to some icky people, and in some messy situations. It's true that Jesus didn't directly address many things that we face in today's culture. There are so many tough things that surround us today and demand a response. So what do we do when the Bible or Jesus, is silent on an issue at hand. Well, as a first step, we need to remember that culture must always be interpreted through the lens of Scripture and not vice versa. Culture needs to be interpreted through the lens of Scripture. And so, the more familiar we are with the Bible, the easier it becomes to wrestle with the what-would-Jesus-do moments in our lives. It's true, we don't see Jesus addressing many of 2019's hot topics, but he did address the hot topics of AD 30 to 33. You can read them for yourself to see how he handled them. One example, the woman caught in adultery. Now, I'm guessing there was also a man caught in adultery at about the same time, but for some reason, she's the only one who's mentioned. But what did the law say? The law said to stone her. That was the punishment that was lawful for her at the time. But how did Jesus respond? And what happened to that woman in the end? I'm not going to tell you that. But I hope you will go home and read that story for yourself to find out and to be reminded. And to ask yourself, what does that story have to say to some of today's crimes? Some of today's laws? Because you bet that story is relevant today. Friends, the deal is we're either people of the book or we're not. You can't have it both ways. The Bible is either your guide for life or it's not. It can't be merely one of many self-help books or feel-good books lying on your bookshelf. In my opinion, that's the easiest decision of all, choosing to grab this one. Because this book and this book alone is perfect and is forever. Church, listen to these words and breathe a deep sigh. Psalm 19, 7 through 9. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. If that's not good news in today's world, I don't know what is. And that's what makes the word of God such good news 
because regardless of culture, generation, gender, skin color, nation, tongue, or tribe, the word of God alone stands alone. It's perfect and eternally relevant and forever truth, just as it is. Other fads and trends and self-help books and feel-good trinkets will run their course, but God's word will be there after all of them, unchanged. As Isaiah tells us, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Forever. The words in these books, in this book, stand forever, exactly as they are. Forever relevant, forever alive, forever creating new possibilities and new life. One word at a time, one person at a time, one day at a time. One of the daily devotionals that we make available here at this church and it's my husband's favorite go-to, is titled Our Daily Bread. And that's a super title for a daily time with God because even Jesus himself said in Matthew, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our daily bread, the word of God. Sustenance for each new day. Absolutely necessary for our health and our growth and our life. These are words to intellectually agree with for sure. But some practicals remain. How do we read it? How do we engage it? How do we learn from it? And how do we adjust our lives accordingly? In other words, our third question, what are we supposed to do with the Bible? Read it. We heard that. Yes, we're going to read it. So another way to ask this is, how then shall I live? Remember the living nature of this book? We memorize a few verses, attend church regularly, even get involved in Bible studies and serving others. But if we don't allow this book to live in us, to change us, to convict us, to heal us, to challenge us, then we are missing the life that God intends. We are to eat up the words in these pages, read them again and again and again, study them both alone and with others, and grow to become intimately familiar with them. Many of us are pretty good at looking up certain verses that apply to something that we're going through, verses that encourage, verses to prove a point, verses to disprove a position. And while every verse is important because all scripture is God-breathed and is useful, without familiarity of the entire narrative, all 66 books, scripture can be used in confusing, misleading, and even damaging ways. So a couple years ago, I was visited in my, at my home by two women who are um, Jehovah's Witnesses. One was the speaker, the other took notes. They came to my house well-prepared, quoting from their Bible easily and frequently. They started the conversation, they led the conversation, and they ended the conversation. I engaged them just enough, and in the end, I accepted their offer to stop by again. And so they did, for a total of three times. Although their faith is incompatible with the Christian faith in several ways, they are experts at pulling out specific verses out of context, I would add, and using them confidently to make a point. Thankfully, I am grounded enough in my knowledge of Scripture as a whole to know that their words don't convey the message of the entirety of God's Word as I know it. But those visits got me thinking how many of us Christians are largely unfamiliar with the Word of God? How many rely on a pastor or a Sunday school teacher to teach them what God says? That's a dangerous place to land because a half hour on a Sunday morning doesn't cut it. And pastors and leaders don't have a magical connection to God that is unavailable to anyone else. A pastor might be called vocationally to, to, de, 
devote him or herself to God, to God's word, and to the church, but we are all called, each one of you, by name, to live our lives as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, bringing life and truth and hope of the living word of God to the world. And that quite simply can't be done without firsthand knowledge of the word of God. So my desire, our desire as a church for each one of you is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe, that you would receive the word of God as the word of God, and that it would have its way in you, working in and through your lives. Friends, we're about to start a new year, a new season of ministry at Faith Covenant Church, and all that we do as a staff is designed with you in mind to create opportunities for you to connect with God and to grow deeper in knowledge and relationship, to be challenged, to take a new step, to enter foreign territory, to move outside your comfort zone, to take the words in the Bible and bring them to life through your words and your actions in this world. This is where reading and wrestling together in community is vital. See, our faith is both deeply personal and collective. And our reading of God's word should be the same, personal and corporate both. And so we've prepared a variety of opportunities for you to do just that this fall. There was an insert in your worship folder last week. It'll be in there this week. Um, a few things that we're starting this fall. I just want you to listen to a few of these. Alpha. Alpha is a safe place for you and your friends to dip your toes into the whole Christianity thing. Learning and asking questions and forming friendships. Bible studies, opportunities for you to learn and grow and act according to God's word. Discovery Bible experience is a practical way to engage deeply with God's word, either alone or with others. Teaching children or youth, the best way to ensure that you understand something is by teaching it. Grand disciples, grandparents, are you spiritually intentional with your grandkids? Do they see Jesus and hear the word of God in and through you? Small groups, an opportunity to risk sharing your life more honestly, allowing a group of others inside where your real struggles and your real joys reside to challenge and to encourage you spiritually. And shape is a place to explore how God has wired you and how you might live and serve accordingly. Here's another one. I want you to mark your calendars right now. Saturday morning, September 28th, we're hosting a unique experience called Walk Through the Bible. It's Saturday morning, 9 to noon. This is an experience. Kids 8 years old through adults of any age. So this is a family experience that brings the word of God to life in a powerful, unique, and memorable way. It's proven, it's interactive, it's fun, and it's for your whole family. <laughs> You'll be hearing more about it later, but you'll want to be here for sure. And God's word is sure to come alive for you in a very unique way that morning. All of these and a few more are on that insert that you'll see again next week, and they'll be on the website shortly. Our hope is that this fall would look different for you in some way, that you'll accept the challenge to grow deeper in your knowledge of God and God's word, that you would step out of your comfort zone and be intentional in your conversations with others, 
and that this statement found in the Covenant Church in the Bible document would be true of this church. We as covenant people read the Bible faithfully, communally, rigorously, charitably, and holistically with commitments to grace, transformation, and mission. Friends, I hope people who know you and who know me would describe us as people of the book, each and every one of us. So a question for you to ponder this week. When and where and with whom are you in the book? Wrestling, seeking, praying, discussing, and listening. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the living word. We thank you for the Bible that we have as a gift to us, Lord, as a way to connect with you, as a way to come alive in you and through you, as a way to learn and as a way to live. God, we pray, I pray, that these words would come alive in us and that the world around us would see that we are people of the book, that we love this book, that we love your word, that we love the living word of God, Jesus. God, move in us, change us, bring us to this world, God. Make us bold, proclaiming the words of your gospel, the words in your book to those around us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.